high stick you to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. Today's show, Oilers break an Oilers record. And when they do that, it's breaking news. It's not that common. It is a big deal, and it doesn't happen to every guy. Wow. Ten wins in a row. Record-breaking. And, and I'm not even talking about the temperatures. Welcome to the show. There's a lot going on. I, I, right now, there's hockey going on right now. NFL football playoffs, two games, two, two, two games instead of one today. We've got you covered. And you can text us at one 401 1440 We are going to have a lot of fun today with that Oilers 10-game winning streak. We have great guests for you. Rachel Dory will join us at 1240 from Staff and Graph Podcast. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News will talk NFL. And, of course, our friend Jason Greger will be here to preview his show and talk a little bit about the Oilers and the NFL I don't know if we'll bring up the Dolphins, maybe the Chiefs. Yeah, we'll bring up the Chiefs with Jason. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GM and Buick. Ask for details. Okay. I guess I should get this over with right now because it's going to be obvious very soon. I forgot my computer at home. And when that happens, we're a little, not a lot, but a little discombobulated. And so... I'm going to tell you that you can reach us on the 833-401-1440 text line or on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. And with that, we say hello to Declan Kruger. How was your weekend, sir? Great weekend, uh, as you can expect. I just sat, sat down, watched NFL football, played some video games all weekend. It was great. I had the uh, time of my life. Don't you think a day like yesterday and the previous day, Saturday, which the, you know follows Sunday, is the, the? it's a great excuse because there's really... There are times when it's nice outside and I'm still watching sports. Yesterday, I'm like, who cares? I'm watching sports and I don't even care. And I guess you were kind of that way too because I don't know if you feel guilty or not, but you're a young man. You should be out doing stuff. Did you? I would no. Sorry, I was about to answer. I was hesitating for a dramatic effect there. No, I didn't because of the weather. I didn't feel I had. I felt no obligation to go do anything except sit inside and watch football. Yeah, and I, it was perfect. That's how I want to spend my weekends every every Saturday and Sunday from September through February for the rest of my life. That's what I plan to do, and I uh, couldn't have enjoyed it more. My son wanted to go grocery shopping. I went for moral support. I did buy hamburger, but other than that, uh, and I wanted to. I'm, I'm old school, like. I, I have a fairly new vehicle. It's a very good vehicle. I like it. But I like I would never go three days in a row without starting my vehicle up, even if I just, you know, let it run for a little while. Is that unusual? Like, is, is that sort of, are you that way or do you not care about your vehicle at all? No, I definitely, like, I'll definitely sit and let it warm up. Like, you'd be crazy not to, I think, right? Yeah, I, I just, it's so cold out, you know. And it, they said it was going to be pl- minus 11 or something today. It's not going to be that, but it is warmer. And it's funny because when it was really getting cold, I was like whimpering. <laughs> Gotta go outside. And then I go outside today and it's minus 30, but it's like 10 degrees warmer than it was the last time I was out. And I'm like, I don't need to zip up my jacket. Why would I do that? A fool thing like that. It's gorgeous outside. So really not so much gorgeous out there, but it is improving and it is getting better. This 10-game winning streak, I, I have to say online I had disagreements with a lot of different people about the quality of the game. 
Many people didn't think it was a very good hockey game. I thought the tension of the game was fantastic. You you had everything. An early goal. Nuge didn't mean to trip the guy. They end up scoring a really nice goal. So now it's one cob. And now it's getting... There's a point at which the goalie starts believing in himself. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. And the Oilers, as much firepower as they have, there are times when they can't beat the goaltender. Leon got it done. Nice little drive-by by Warren Fogle, who's the subject of my article today at The Athletic. I think he has earned a contract. I don't know if they can afford to sign him. That's the truth. But he made a nice play. Leon scores. And then Leon, the, the, the Connor McDavid pass to Evan Bouchard was absolute fire. Uh, like you're watching that and you're going, oh, my God. And they had just won in overtime when on the Darnell Nurse School. This team is loaded. Their defense is playing well. Three pairings slotted the proper way. Their, their outlets are good. They're, they're using the middle of the ice. They're doing a lot of things that they weren't doing before. And the, Chris Knobloch's record is like 26-0 and 0 or so. It's just ridiculous. And right now, I, I wish the playoffs were starting because if you're an Oilers fan, you want this. You want the mojo that you've got now. doesn't always work that way. Got to keep it going. One of the things that they'll probably do is get a goaltender – I don't know if you've looked around or not. Toronto coming into town tomorrow night, and my God, goaltending is going to be an issue for them at the deadline. One of the things we'll talk about with Rachel Dory today is what's the cost of a goaltender? And I'm going to ask her a second question because I think it's important. What is the possibility that Ken Holland trades the first-round pick for a rental? I think it's very low. Last year they traded two firsts, but they got a guy that can hang around for a while. If you're going to trade that first-round pick in 2024, man, I do think you've got to get somebody that you can either, who has term, or or possibly you feel like you can sign comfortably. Orders don't have a lot of moolah in the summer. Most of the do-re-mi is gone. It's faso-la-ti now. We'll see. going to be fun. I wanted to mention this early, and I'm going to tweet it out as well. Um... Jason Greger on the weekend had a, a tweet up with regard to Robin Brownlee. And it's a GoFundMe for Anna Lynn and Sam. And I, I want to encourage you um, to take advantage of that if you can. Uh, just absolute, you know, pain uh, for that family. And, you know, clearly that was not expected my understanding was there was going to be some some surgery and there was going to be a, a an opportunity to you know recover and all of those sorts of things and it didn't happen. Um, it's just very sad. So I re- retweeted it right now, and for Anna Lynn and Sam, if you can uh, join in on, I know it'll be an overwhelming GoFundMe um, for for Robin Brownlee and uh, his recent very tragic passing. want to get into this now it's 1208 i'm going to i'm going to talk about this now this might take a little while so send your text in and we'll pass those along throughout the day okay ordinarily i would take a little break here to read some text but i don't i, I want to get into this um 10 game this comes in from bones 10 game run streak is more powerful than viagra for middle-aged edmontonians well what's that song good morning good morning it's great to stay up late. <laughs> Love that song. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning to you. 
eight, eight minutes in, we're already off track. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. I love it. Well, you know the bottom line on all of this is that we're supposed to be having fun, and we are, so it's all good. Um, okay, a few things that I want to get to, and this is the most important one. I wrote on the weekend, and I had a lot of feedback from a lot of interesting people in regard to the Edmonton Autos and procurement. Now, no, I want to start with this. Nobody on planet Earth is suggesting that the Edmonton Oilers should not trade draft picks. I'm not suggesting that at all. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to win a Stanley Cup. Not an easy thing to do. So trading draft picks for players who can help you now makes total sense. And in the last two years, they've had 14 draft picks, traded seven of them, and then Reed Schrafer was also traded after they drafted him. So six guys basically in the last two years are pushing for NHL jobs over the next several years. But they have not, the owners have not done a lot of replacement in terms of signing CHL free agents who are undrafted or college free agents who are undrafted. And they, what, what they have done, I think, is a pretty good job of identifying talent. You know, uh, they, they, they signed Ryan Fanti out of, out of uh, Minnesota Duluth. Very fine goaltender, good bona fides, as the kids say, but he's been injured. They signed Noah Philp out of the U of A Golden Bears, and honestly, he looked very good. He looked like a guy who was going to come up and help and be a part of the team. And as it turned out, and and absolutely justifiable, events in his life uh, dictated that he would retire. But that's bad luck, and that happens. But it also points out the fact that if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you need to be signing more of these guys. And they've had success. You know, the, the, the scouting staff gets a lot of blame for things, but James Hamblin can play. Now, he's not a scorer, but he can play. Vincent DeHarnay was drafted, but then not signed, and then they signed him to an AHL deal, and he found his way here. They got a kid named Cameron Wright. He's not a kid. He's 25. He's playing well down there. You know, he's actually playing very well in the AHL, although he didn't play this weekend. The Edmonton Oilers... They, they they seem to, I don't know if they're getting bullied out of it or they didn't want to sign a lot of NHL contracts to players who weren't plug-and-play, like NHL-wise, like Hoffenmeyer and and Cam Deneen and, and that group. Um, we saw that with Ben Gleason, who, by the way, has scored a t- ton of goals here recently for the Bakersfield Condors. I think, he might, I think he might have a chance. I'm not kidding you. I think he might have a chance to make this team, like, next year and maybe hang around for a couple hundred games. Ben Gleason can play. I think the orders people get mad at the orders scouts. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the the problem. I think the scouting, the amateur and the pro scouting, it, Brad Holland has really done a nice job there and the amateur scouting despite everything that's happening, I think they've done well. The first round picks we can talk about, but the deeper picks, remember when they traded down uh Daniel uh Gushkin ended up being the San Jose pick and they picked up Carter Savoy who's got a chance and Tyler Tulio who's got a chance. Those, those are good players, good prospects. Nothing wrong with that. The, the, the scouts have it. They just don't have enough picks. And so how do you overcome that? Well, one of the ways you can do it, there's two ways. One of the ways you can do it is to sign amateur talent from colleges, Canada, United States, doesn't matter, who are bona fide, who can go down and play. Maybe one of those, say you sign four, one ends up as an NHL player. It's better than doing nothing. Right, And then the other thing that they can do, and it's a dangerous thing because of cap issues, but 
last year, Holland did trade two first-round picks, and as part of that deal, he got a guy who's going to be around a while, and Matthias Ekholm. And nobody can argue Ekholm's value to this team. It's been a big damn deal. So that's what they can do to procure talent to protect themselves for the future. Right now, the autos simply are not signing enough guys who are going to come into the league. Next fall, it's going to be it's going to be crickets in terms of pro hockey players coming into the system. It might be Luca Munzenberger and not much. And that's why I wrote the article, and I do think it's worth talking about. And your texts are welcome. Uh, send them along at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 I think it's the development of the prospects is the owner's issue. They need to be better. Wrote about that on the blog today. What I will tell you about that is this. The Oilers, it's very important that the Oilers scouts are drafting the right guys for the system. And I think that a guy like Borgo, they're a little bit down on. They see him as being another Kato Yamamoto, and maybe that's not what they want. But that that's more, I think that's at a higher level than the scouts. Scouts are just recommending players. If the Oilers don't want to have small skills forwards anymore and they don't want to draft them, then that has to come from above, and maybe there was a communication problem. I think Borgo would be fine, maybe not in this organization. Raphael Lavoie, I think they a little bit questioned on their on his foot speed. But there's a lot of time, not necessarily for, for Lavoie, but for Borgo and Petrov and Carter Savoy, those, those cats have time in their contract still. So it's not absolutely imperative that they shoot lights out. I would, I would tell you that I think the Oilers are better at drafting defensemen and signing defensemen than they are at forwards right now. And maybe that's something they can tweak. Don't sign. If you don't like guys who are slow, don't draft them. If you don't like guys that are small, don't draft them up front. But the other thing is they're turning into a, not a goalie factory, but a team that can develop goaltenders. Stuart Skinner, man, has he been out of sight in the last 20 games? You bet he has. And then Olivier Rodrigue is a guy who I could see playing in the National Hockey League as early as next year. It's interesting time for the Edmonton Oilers. They are morphing as an organization. They've never been terrific at developing goaltenders, except when Andy Mogan and Grant Fuhrer were drafted in 80-81, respectively, and they were pretty much plug-and-play. Right now, it's a little different with Skinner developing and then Olivier Rodrigue. Okay. Man, I've talked a lot. It's funny. If I don't have my computer here, I'm not blipping around and talking about different things, and so I just I, I pontificate. It becomes less a dialogue and more a monologue. By the way, how are you feeling about your Buffalo Bills today? I feel fine, Al. We've been over this. Yeah, this is we're not you're defensive. Worried. You're defensive. I can I can feel like there's a little I'll, defensiveness. I'll tell you what. At seeing what the Packers did, how the Packers were able to go into Dallas and throttle the number two seed Dallas Cowboys, which, by the way, first time a seven seed has ever won in the NFL wildcard playoffs. Now, granted, it's only been four years. But seeing what they did to the Dallas Cowboys did make me a little nervous that maybe this was not the cut and dry, completely already written expectation I thought it was going to be. But I'm still doing okay. I still like them to win. I still like them to cover. So you're worried? A little bit. Yeah. little bit. I can tell you right now, I'm very worried about the Eagles. Even if they win tonight, I'm worried about them. I just tell you, I don't have confidence in them. I, I like. Can, can I ask why? Is it, be, I, is it because of the... Defense, yes. The defense, okay. I was going to say it was because of the anomaly that is Josh Allen and uh, the craziness that surrounds him and the turnover-prone mistakes he seems to make in high-profile spots. 
Well, I. But if you're not worried about that, I think we can outlast them because I don't think the Steelers have an offense capable of putting up more than 17 points. I'm worried about the Eagles. I don't care about the Bills. Whatever happens to the Bills happens to the Bills. I worry about the Eagles' defense, and they're old on the line. Declan, could you lend us some of your young linemen? I would love to go be a lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. I can put on some weight. Well, I can, too. I've proven that over many years. I am a lineman for the county. Okay. On the way, rumors, and then we're... Big show today. Rachel Dory will join us at 1240. Bill Bender from the Sporting News Talking NFL, and then Jason Greger as well. Oh, wait a minute. Is Mama MMA at 140? Mama MMA is at 140 today. We uh, to, we made sure to get it in there. I don't have to do very much today. I'm loving it. All right. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Thanks for tuning in. Monday, Oilers play Toronto tomorrow night. Now, that means if you're a season ticket holder, you can probably sell your tickets for uh, pretty much the value of your entire season ticket package. Seems like anyway. It's a home game for Toronto. They have some issues. We're going to talk to Rachel Dory about the goaltending situation across the National Hockey League. There are some teams expected to go deep who have real, legit problems and no cap space. If you have a goaltender and you're not a contender and you have cap room, you could ask for the sun, the moon, and the stars and get it all. I have a feeling some first-round picks are going to be heading out of town. I believe that. We're going to get to rumors in two shakes of a lamb's tail, but I wanted, did want to answer this from Bones. Have the orders improved in their analytics side of things? I remember in the past you'd mentioned that the orders needed to do that. Can you help me with that? Well, there's two things that I think you should be encouraged by if you're an Oilers fan. One is that uh, one of the early things that was done by the new management <clears throat> when Jeff Jackson came in was hiring Michael Parcati. And it might have been in the works previously, I don't know. Uh, but I know Parcati very well, and he is going to be giving them good information, guaranteed. Now, whether that is, you know, heard and used, that's another matter. But Parcati's uh, resume is pristine. The other thing they did, and they did it previous to that, in the previous administration, was move Brad Holland into pro scouting. And I do think that has helped this organization. That's my belief. So you should be encouraged based on what we know. Okay, here we go. This is uh, time for, there's, there's, there's a few things I want to talk to, mostly not related to the orders, but but I want to get to them anyway. This is one that is sort of semi-related. The Senators are reportedly entertaining offers for Jacob Chikrin. Now, there's two reasons why that's important. That is important because Steve Steos is the new GM, and now he's looking a, for a way to to make the team better, but also sort of remake it in his image. Every general manager has a vision that that they have of what's wrong and how can I fix it? It's the old George Carlin, George Carlin, I got to take their junk off of the dresser so I can put my stuff there. Same thing for general managers. So Steos is, is examining the roster, seeing what has value, and then seeing what he can offload that has value in order to bring in something that he wants more or <clears throat> needs more. Chikrin's interesting for a couple of reasons. First one being... Do you remember in the months leading up to the Matthias Ekholm acquisition by the Oilers, Chikrin was mentioned a lot, like a lot. The three defensemen who were mentioned were Ekholm who ended up being dealt, and he wasn't mentioned a lot right until the end. Eric Carlson, who got mentioned every day, and people keep... I kept getting people mad at me because I said, I don't think you can do this deal. And they're like, why? I'm like, okay, 
if one year of like $8 million on the cap or whatever Carlson is, is worth a first round pick, add how many years there is. And I don't think retention is going to happen. So the deal is going to be Jack Campbell and whatever else for Carlson. And there's going to be a lot of first round picks. And I just didn't think the Oilers had the torque to do it. And as it turned out, they did not. And then Chikrin was a guy who was pushed by a lot of people, and he's an attractive defenseman. He's young, got a really nice career ahead of him. Uh, he had some issues injury-wise, but but the, it's a pretty strong bet that he's going to have a good career. But the Oilers ended up picking, taking uh, Ekholm instead. Now, Chikrin has not been in Ottawa for long. This is interesting that his name comes out. And it's from David Pagnotta. You can take it for what it is, but fourth period does have information that can lead to uh, uh, fruition. So that's an interesting name for me because it is an indication about where Steve Steos may be going. Jeff Skinner on IR for the Buffalo Sabres. Leo Carlson coming off IR for the Anaheim Ducks. He's a young player who is uh, emerging. They have so many good young players. Um, Sam Reinhart and the Panthers look like they're they're you know starting to gather the 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 wagons and do some ciphering, and that will be an interesting signing for. The Oilers, because it's along the lines of, and we're all heading for the Leon. I'm not even calling it dry saddle negotiations anymore. I'm just calling it the Leon. Uh, Patrick Kane was out last night. They 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 didn't have a lot. They said a lower body injury is all that they would say. He had a couple of exchanges that didn't go well. Um, but with his injury history, you're worried about the hip. Doesn't look like that is part of it, or at least that was the early word yesterday uh on my i actually went off twitter in the last i don't know how many hours for one particular reason i retweeted that jack eichel was going on injured reserve and the 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 hellfire and i didn't say anything it wasn't people weren't mad at me they were just mad because eichel going on ir means uh, according to the the ex posters or tweeters damn it i wasn't supposed to say that they say that this he's just on his way to LTIR and then he'll be fine by the opening of the playoffs like they did a year ago. You remember with Stone, right? Well, we'll see. But it did look like Eichel got hurt. We'll see. Every day I come into work, I go, I do this. I say, will this be the day the Calgary Flames trade Noah Hannafin? The reason I say Hannafin because he's a defenseman, and he has real value, and I think they would get a lot. Not, I don't think they'll look for picks, but I think they'll look for young players, maybe not in the NHL yet, but who are on their way to being NHL players and are pretty much assured of having, assured of having enough talent to survive once they get to the NHL. This is, you know, Craig Conroy is a confident guy going back to his playing career. I, I think he will make a trade that is for a young, maybe not yet established player, but somebody who's a good bet to be um, successful. I'll be fascinated to see where he goes. And if I'm Minnesota, I got to make some kind of a move, right? The Wild are, are falling. It's like they're they're just. It's like an elevator shaft. Teams now, the, the and and I don't have an answer for you. I'm not smart enough to know why, but it seems like the. The winning streaks and the losing streaks, and I talked about it with the Oilers at the beginning, you'd like the playoffs to start now if you're an Oilers fan. They're hot as firecrackers. Luck is going their way. And the dice have no memory. 
So all of this is like, oh, you can say, oh, well, you know, this will continue. Well, maybe it will. Maybe they won't get unlucky until next October. But right now, everything's working for the Edmonton Oilers. It's coming up Millhouse all day. You'd really like it to be in the postseason. You really would like it to be in the postseason. I mean, look at Vegas. You know, I, I, I don't talk about this much because I, I talked about it at the beginning a lot, and I think people got sick of it. But if you go back to games five and six in the series, Vegas and the Oilers, and even if you go back earlier when Laurent Brassois got hurt, a lot of things happened that were luck and circumstance or happenstance. Whatever the stance is, I'm not sure which word it is. So Vegas gets an injury to Brassois, and at that point, when the injury happened, the orders were, I mean, they were slam dunk. They were looking real good. Brassois gets hurt. And for at least a period, maybe longer, Aiden Hill didn't really stop anything that was vicious or difficult. And he starts to get into the... Now, you look back and you go, oh, come on, low tide. Well, guess what? Things happen. And they certainly did for Aiden Hill in Vegas. That's a little bit of luck. In the second and second period of game five and six, the Oilers really let down. They had a couple of penalties, Broberg and then Yanmark, and they were unlucky. One was a borderline. The Broberg penalty is borderline. And and the the Yanmark penalty was just a thing. And he ended up high sticking. It happens. It's a circumstance. And they go down two, and they really that's ball game. After game four, it, I think it was coin flip. Small events changed that series, luck-wise. And I think for the Edmonton Oilers, I think their luck was not good in the postseason. So if you're a fan, luck will go up and down like a yo-yo and regression will occur. I think you hope for a really lucky spring. Like, I don't know, bury a loony in the backyard. Don't dig too deep. You know what happens then. But I think they're not, they're not far away. I was on with uh, Kevin Carius this morning, by the way. You know, I got a lot of calls. People want me to talk on them. I don't get that many calls, but Carius called, and I was on with him. And he asked me what I thought. I said, well, I think one of the things that we could probably do is give a little more love to Ken Holland. Now, look, I understand. Uh, um, Ken Holland has been here for five years. You want to have won a Stanley Cup. He's made mistakes. He said in his opening press conference he was going to make mistakes, and he has. But he's also done a lot of good signings and a lot of things that have worked out. And one thing that he worked did very well this year, and I think he should get credit for it, is he was patient. He kept his powder dry. And even, like, I was like, man, I don't know here. Like, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm looking at this team, and they, you know, they put two and two together and get three. How is that possible? Well, guess what? They didn't make a trade for a goaltender. They're probably going to have to, but they didn't at the time. And they changed coaches, and the coaches changed the structure, and they changed the outlets, and they changed how they defend. And guess what? It's working. They believe. How long will it last? I do not know. Do they need to upgrade? I think they do. But what's out there? And what are they willing to trade? And one of the questions I'm going to ask Rachel Dory after the break is, can the Oilers afford to trade their first round pick this year for a rental? I don't think they can. You're on with Carius. You up that early? 
I'm up like at 6. I, I worked mornings for years, so I would get up at 4.30. So 6 o'clock is sleeping in. I'm also up at 6 because my damn dog, who I love dearly, Ziggy, has every once in a while, about every year or so, she gets into her head that she's got to get up while there, there's no lights on and go to the bathroom. And I am, you know, the the dad. I got to get up with the dog. I got to, you know, and it it is... Like, I, I'm not awake when I do it, but I do it. And that wakes me up. So I was up at 6 today. I was up at like 4.30 on Sunday, and I think it was 3.30 on Saturday. So I was glad to get a little bit of extra sleep today. Jack Campbell has had a couple of good starts in a row. I don't want to, I don't want to upset anybody, but he has. Oh, my God. I'm borrowing Declan's computer, and I didn't realize he left Twitter on. I could totally go into his DMs and see what he's been saying about me. Twitter, email, the whole nine. It's all open there. If you could uh, oh just direct God. your eyes elsewhere, that would be great. All I did, I accidentally looked at something, and I saw low tide is a rat fink. I don't know who you sent it to. Oh, but, no. yeah, you weren't supposed to see that. But, I no. mean, listen, you you kind of did it to yourself a little bit. Just stay on the text line, open up any tab you want, and, uh, you know. It's like what your parents told you. I, I was gonna, You know what I was going to say? I was going to say it's like what your parents told you when you went on the computer as a kid, but I get you probably can't relate to that. That's maybe, maybe a, more specific. Are you me. taking a shot at me? No, it was completely You are totally taking a shot at me. I was not. It was completely unintentional. Why don't you just, just come gonna, over here and kick me in the... No, I'm sorry. Just go, go away, old man. No, no, that's not I what I was doing. I swear to God, one day you're going to come around here, you're going to open up this glass door, you're going to throw me out and lock it, and I won't be able to figure out because I'll be disoriented. I won't be able to figure out how to get back in. Well, I wouldn't throw you out. I would just direct you out. I'd be like, do you smell those cookies outside? And just let yeah, you kind of exactly. waft out yourself. Do you see, do you see that pie you, over there? You are framing me in this segment <laughs> as a complete buffoon. No, no, An I'm going to retract. An old man. I retract it. Feeble. You can't. It's on tape. It's out there. You've given up with the whole plan. Everybody knows now. All right. Well, while I'm still here, we are getting fantastic guests. Rachel Dory is on the way next. We have a litany of questions about goaltending and the Oilers. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, powered by Wolf GMC Buick. Thanks for tuning in. Alan and Declan hanging out until 2 o'clock today. Sabres have already beaten the Sharks. Bruins up on the Devils 1-0. Canucks are flying 3-2 over the Blue Jackets. Uh, the Panthers 4-3 on the Ducks. Penguins up on the Kraken to zip. Kraken are another one of those very, very, very successful teams recently. We're joined now by our friend Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. Now, you're off of holidays now, so there's no sunshine and 35 degrees where you are. Uh, no, it's actually quite the opposite. It's minus 20 with the windshield where I am, so it's a 50-degree delta after a 40-hour <laughs> travel day. It's- well, yeah, that's an abrupt end of vacation, if I do say so. You know, I, 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 I'm quite old, Rachel, and the number of people who've said things like 40-hour travel day has spiked in the last, say, five years since the pandemic, I guess. It just seems like you can't get on a plane and fly somewhere without some kind of a delay. And I know weather is a big part of it right now. But, man, there's exhausted travelers nowadays. Yeah, like I was supposed to just be a regular four-and-a-half-hour flight direct and I mean, four missed approaches and two diverted cities later and then sitting eight hours on the tarmac in Montreal. Um, yeah, you can get tired 
and frustrated pretty quickly. Um, but you know what? My bag made it, and so I got all my stuff, and I'd rather they uh, fly safely than rush any type of landing or takeoff, that's well, for sure, especially in the polar vortex that we're having out here. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. All right, let's talk about the, what is going, I think, going to be a very interesting a deadline for for goaltenders just because there's needs from teams like Toronto and Edmonton uh although Skinner is playing well and and the marketplace isn't you know lush with with great goaltender options do you see this as being an extreme sellers market this time for the goaltending uh it's, it's interesting right because i think right now we're what exactly in the middle of january we just passed the the halfway point of the season there's some interesting um sort of teams at play here, right? Who's going to fall out. It's usually sort of heading into all-star break that teams start to kind of separate themselves. You know, trade deadlines a little later this year. So you might not see decisions get made until about a month from now, but I think, yeah, right now is it's a bit of a seller's market. Um, there's, there's not a ton of goaltenders. And so when you look at it, teams that need them, whether it's New Jersey or Toronto, um, Edmonton, that there's, there's some. There's going to be competitive um, trades happening, and I think this is the. This is one of those times where if you're going to make a trade, you're probably overpaying. Yeah, and it's it's it's. See, I always felt like it was going to be the Connor Halibut deadline, and then he signed, and then you know if you're if you're looking for a goaltender now, um, you're 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 probably overpaying, as you say, and then. The options aren't that great. One team that I wonder about is Boston because they have they do have a need. It, it, I don't think they're going to trade anybody, but but is could somebody pry a goalie out of Boston? I don't know. That's the thing. I think if you're looking at it, um, you have to really have confidence that one of those guys that gets the guy that you're keeping is going to be able to hold that fork down because part of the reason that those two are having success in Swayman and Olmark is because neither one of them is having to shoulder a starting load. And that is a huge component in goaltending success. And so I think they have a really robust analytics department there that's going to do that evaluation. They have a good goaltending department as well. And so I think that's sort of an interesting situation. If you're going to get a player like that, um, it's probably going to be and Elias Lindholm going the other way, maybe a Nazem Kadri. Um, I'm just thinking Calgary uh, yep. right off the hop. But if you're you're looking at a pretty hefty, that's not a piecemeal deal, right? Because you're doing contender to contender there. Boston's going to want something in return that's going to help them now because, let's face it, they're at the top of the Atlantic. And so when you look at it, if they are trading a goaltender, I think it's to bolster the middle of the ice there. And so I think they're probably going to need a center in return. Rachel Dory, our guest from Staff and Graph Podcast. The Oilers have been looking at what, you know, the center, maybe third line center, right defenseman uh, for the second pairing, goaltending. And I, I look at their assets, and I've always assumed the first-round pick is going to go, but they, they don't have a lot coming through the system. And I don't know, ideally, in a year where you're trying to win it all, you trade your first-round pick, and chances are it's a, a rental uh, who has value and is can, you can afford but I don't know if the Oilers at this point in their cycle of winning can afford to just send away a draft pick, a first-round pick, without getting somebody back in return with some term on their contract. Is that a fair assessment of their situation? 
I think that's a very fair assessment. They're in a unique position. Now, what I will say about the Edmonton Oilers is any year that you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is a push your chips in and go for it year. And anything less is unacceptable. So do you need to be judicious? Should you be issuing contracts that um, they have over the past few years? Absolutely not. You could definitely use that money a little bit better. But when it comes to the trade deadline, you cannot be clutching your pearls if it means getting a difference maker. So if the difference, let's take Boston, for example, let's say they lose their minds and they're, they want to trade one of their goaltenders and they're willing to accept a first round pick in return. If you can get assurances that you're going to be able to re-sign Jeremy Swayman, let's say, um, then I don't even think that's a question. I think that's you send that money packing. And um, if you're Boston, you, you get some cap space there and Edmonton obviously would have to send something the other way to make the cap work, but it really depends. You have to be, if you're Edmonton, you have to be very smart. You have to get an impact player. If you're trading that first round pick with a guarantee of either some term or it's got to be a star. Like if not that he's going to be available, obviously now, but if Connor Hellebuck was available, um, you trade your first round pick without assurances there, because that's the type of guy that can really carry you. Obviously he's not going to be available, but I think if, if a player of that caliber becomes available, I don't think you have any qualms about parting with your first round pick. You have to deal with all of the money and the issues after that. But as long as you have 97 and 29 in your lineup, you have to go for it. You owe it to them and you owe it to the fan base. Rachel, I want to uh, just drill down a little bit on the Pacific division right now. Uh, you've got Vancouver who, despite apparently wanting to turn Quinn Hughes into a center, uh, not that long ago, they look that is true. Oh, I will say <laughs> now, like, do you mind me asking about like, is, is that like, because I know owners and I know, like I've heard stories about managers and, you know, you, you know, a new coach comes in or whatever, but like how I know agents have more control now. Wouldn't the agent just balk at that? Wouldn't there? I, I just can't believe that would ever have happened. Yeah. So the, the, the problem that you have is the player you're talking about is signed to a long-term contract. Um, and things did not go well for Vancouver to start the season last year, but that's the, I, the genesis of that idea is being completely misrepresented. Um, the genesis of that idea did not happen after Vancouver had their poor start last year. The genesis of that idea came in the off season and while obviously it didn't happen, there were some things at training camp that um, some people above Bruce took control of. And I think when you look at it, uh, Quinn Hughes is under contract. And so while the agent can express his um, disagreement at the end of the day, um, you're really just going to have to do what the team says outside of requesting a trade. And obviously now he's a captain. He's not going to do that. I think the bigger story here is, is if you wanted to move Quinn Hughes to center, you had just signed JT Miller to an $8 million contract. What does that say about your belief in him at center if you wanted a center depth of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen? And obviously JT has looked fantastic this year and good for him to rebound the way he has. But I think that kind of gives you a lens and a scope into their line of thinking. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when you look at it, if you can have a Norris Trophy caliber defense and playing 25 minutes a night, why on earth would you ever consider playing him 18 minutes a night in a position that he's not accustomed to playing at the National Hockey League level. Amen. I mean, it's just, it, it was a baffling when I, when, I, when I heard about it. 
Um, how, so let, I want to ask you, because I think Vancouver's home and dry. Now we've got Vegas, who are, are struggling. Kings look like the bloom is off the rose a little bit. And Edmonton is pushing, as is Seattle. How, much, how, how worried should Vegas and Los Angeles be, if at all? Um, I think Vancouver's home and dry in the sense that, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. I think they absolutely should be worried about matchups and stuff like that because they're riding a PDO gravy train that uh, the second it goes off the rails could get ugly really quickly. Edmonton has gotten it back on the rails, and thank goodness for the fans in Edmonton and, frankly, for the fans in the league. If I'm Vegas, I'm worried now because Jack Eichel looks like he's going to miss some time, and that is a superstar in this league, and superstars have – big impacts in this league. And so I think defensively, systematically, um, Vegas is obviously better, the better team here. They're probably, for my money, the best system team in the league outside of the Bruins. And so I think they'll be able to withstand uh, the loss of Eichel should should Marcia So and Stone and uh, Chandler Stevenson gets healthy and, and steps up. I think they'll be okay. I'm not really worried about Vegas missing the playoffs. LA is a bit of a different animal. There's a lot going on there. Um, there, it's just there's something off there. I can't quite put my finger on it, honestly. But there's something off there, and with Edmonton coming the way they're coming, um, that's that's a scenario where I think you and I, when we were talking six weeks ago, we kind of had the discussion of can Edmonton get back in it, and I I targeted LA as one yeah. of the vulnerable ones, them in Vancouver, and I think uh, Vancouver's done a good job of keeping themselves afloat. But L.A. has not, and I'm not sure if they're going to bolster themselves at the deadline or what they're going to do, but it kind of looks like Edmonton's really playing with some some pizzazz now, and so I'd be I'd be worried if I were L.A. Yeah, sure. I remember you talking about L.A. earlier. Uh, w- would you like? There's a bunch of afternoon games on, and I know it's Martin Luther King Day, but I like the idea of like if you've got 32 teams, that's 16 potential games. You should be able to play every day at least one game, and it would be if you've got like 12 games on the slate, and it's a weekday. Once in a while, I may be you know business people special. I like the idea of having one or two games earlier in the day. Do you? I love it. Honestly, I think when you look at it, the frozen frenzy that the NHL did a couple of months back. They had 16 games the other night, and they didn't do it. Not really sure why. On a day like this, Martin Luther King Day, you've got eight teams in Canada. Give them the day off um, and have every team south of the border play. Make it a Martin Luther King Day special kind of thing. Um, obviously, we were only supposed to have one football game today. Now we have two. Thank you to the Polar Vortex. <laughs> but when you look at it, the NBA is playing all day. Why can't the NHL play all day? Like I, I love the idea of starting games at 1230 or 1 o'clock and going – all the way through, right? Play, you don't need to have a 10 o'clock game that night. There's no, no reason that you cannot have your last game end at 8 o'clock. And maybe you go a little lighter on the schedule because you know there's going to be a playoff football game. So maybe the 1 o'clock, the 12.30, 1.30, 3.30 window is where you stack some really good games so that people who are already home from work, they're already getting ready to watch football. They can turn on the hockey game and off we go. This is kind of a day where I think you should have some marquee matchups. Should he be healthy? I think having somebody like Connor Bedard play uh, Sidney yeah. Crosby on a day like today would be a great idea. Having your stars kind of clash head to head, having a, a Rangers Devils game today would be a good idea. Like ha- have some rivalry stuff happen there. I think it's a great idea. And you got to stagger the stars. There can't be three at 12 and four at seven. Like that's just, it doesn't work. Like that. I, I agree totally. I think it's old, old ways thinking and it's got to go. Uh, do my Eagles win tonight? I think they're in trouble, honestly. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think if you look at it, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been playing really well, and their strength is where the Eagles struggle, and that is in the passing game. The Eagles secondary is really, really bad. And Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have been really good of late, as is Baker Mayfield. I think it's going to be a really tight game, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if it's a game-winning field goal that's kicked with a couple of seconds left. Honestly, I think it's going to be – That'll be the game of the day. Um, yeah. It's probably not going to outdo the, the Rams-Lions game last night, but I think they're in some trouble. What about the Bills? Are they home and dry? Well, they're not home and dry, but do they win? <laughs> they're definitely not dry, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, I cannot see a scenario where the Bills don't win. That would be a catastrophic collapse in the same vein of like whatever we saw from the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. That was absolutely dreadful. Nope. Um, and the Pittsburgh Steelers don't even have the level of quarterback that the Packers have in Jordan Love. So for the, for the Bills to lose tonight, I think that would, uh, that would send shockwaves through the league for sure. I think you can pretty much rubber stamp the Bills um, at this point. Rachel, you bring it every week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week, Rob. All right. There you go. Rachel Dory, Staff and Graf podcast. I thought that was very interesting. We talked about the first round pick, and I think that is a key moving forward. Can the Oilers afford to trade a first-round pick for a rental? I don't. I think the answer is no. 12.55, on the way, very busy second hour. Bill Bender from the Sporting News, talking NFL. Gregor will join us at one twenty, and then at one forty today, it's Mama MMA. I hope something happened. Otherwise, Declan's going to talk about the Cowboys yesterday. That was wild stuff. All right, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC, and it's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns. Home of the ultimate grooming experience, the hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments are designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. NFL Super Wildcard Weekend rolls on with two games today. The Steelers in Buffalo at 2.30 and the Eagles in Tampa at 6.15. As of the last report, Highmark Stadium, which will host the Bills and Steelers game, had the green artificial turf cleared of the snow, but the stands were still covered some five hours before kickoff. NHL action around the league. One score from earlier, it was the Sabres blanking the Sharks 3-0. Right now, four games currently at the end of the second period. The Bruins lead the Devils 1-0. Panthers up on the Ducks 4-3. Canucks lead the Blue Jackets 3-2. And the Penguins up 2-0 on the Kraken. Later today, Kings and Hurricanes, Islanders and Wild, Preds and Golden Knights, Avalanche at Canadians, and the late game, the Flyers and Blues at 6 o'clock. Two games going in the National Basketball Association right now. The 76ers up big on the Rockets. They lead 95-75 to with just over a minute to go in the third. And the Pelicans and Mavericks just getting things going. The Mavericks leading 14-5 to about halfway through the first quarter. Later today, we also have the Magic and Knicks, Pistons and Wizards, Spurs and Hawks, Warriors and Grizzly, Bulls and Cavs, and of course, Celtics on the road against the Toronto Raptors at 5.30. Australian Open action earlier as it was Felix Auger-Aliassime outlasting Dominic Tam 6-3-7-5-6-7-5-7-6-3 while Denis Shapovalov and Milos Raonic lost their opening matches. Also in Australian Open news, Naomi Osaka's return to Grand Slam tennis was cut short following a first-round loss 6-4-7-6 to Caroline Garcia. And finally, just one game in the WHL tonight, Kamloops in Portland. Puck drop for that one at 3 p.m. Mountain. 
I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.